This is a GRDC podcast. Just in time for the 2020 winter cropping season, GRDC has released region-specific fact sheets on the best practice management of crown rot in cereals. G'day there, my name is Chris Brown. The fact sheets are the result of more than six years of research into crown rot and provide growers with the very latest information on detecting the disease and also provide a range of strategies to limit losses from crown rot. It's a disease that just keeps coming back year after year, but Agriculture Victoria senior plant pathologist Grant Holloway says that doesn't mean that research has not found new and improved ways of dealing with crown rot. It's an exceptionally challenging disease to manage because we haven't been able to use all the tools that are available for the management of some of the other diseases. So currently we don't have the chemical options that are available when we talk about foliar diseases like rust. And the breeding for resistance is exceptionally challenging as well. So when we compare it to, again, a foliar disease like stripe rust, in the case of stripe rust, we have chemical options uh, that are effective to either use pre-plant or in crop. And we also have a, a wide range of genetic options to give us resistant varieties, either partial resistance or complete resistance in our varieties to help overcome that disease. In addition to the other management strategies we have around Mm. green bridge management and Mm. so forth. So when we move to crown rot, there's limited options in the genetics and there's not the same options that we have for chemical control. Yeah, so it comes down to management. That does make it a more challenging disease to manage. Yeah, yeah. The other part of it is the way that our farming system has changed has been highly conducive to crown rot. In what way? So we've, we've got a system now that is a stubble retention system, a cereal intensive system in most regions. And since crown rot is a stubble borne disease, the retention of crop residues facilitates the carryover of that disease from one cereal crop to the next cereal crop. So it comes down to management. That's what I mentioned, the fact sheet concentrates on the management side of things. Yes, that's right. It really concentrates on those options that are there. And unfortunately, it is a challenging disease to manage in a stubble retention cropping system. But there are some tools that are available, like, for instance, the Predictor B test is uh, is available for crown rot. Yeah, the Predictor B test is been a real step forward in helping growers manage crown rot. This Predictor B technology is a world leading technology that's available to growers in Australia. It's able to quantify the amount of crown rot inoculum in a paddock prior to planting. Mm. And that's really important to enable growers to identify which paddocks are at risk of loss from crown rot before they actually put that crop in the ground. I suppose a, a question I'd have as a journalist rather than as a farmer, I mean, if you know you've got crown rot in a paddock, why is there a need to test for it? Where that becomes important is that if you decide to have a break from cereals for a couple of years to Mm. get that inoculum level down, you can then use a crown rot test to see what levels that um, risk has gone down to. So is it, you know, to answer that question, well, is it now safe to put a wheat crop back into that paddock? I see. A couple of years after the event. Yeah. The rate of breakdown of the crown rot inoculum in a paddock is exceptionally variable because it relates to very much to the conditions that the stubble is exposed to. So if there's rapid 
breakdown of stubble in that paddock because it may have been cultivated or dense break crops that and wet seasons that facilitate stubble breakdown, the crown rot levels will decrease quicker than if we're in a system where there's drier seasons, standing stubble that really slow that stubble breakdown. Mm. We're not in a position that we can give a rule of thumb to say yeah, a one year break or Go a two year, year break. It mm. will be exceptionally variable based on the seasonal conditions. Mm. But that's where a, a test like Predictor B is really important mm. to be able to monitor that decline in inoculum levels. Putting it that way, it, it's a no brainer really, because I mean, if you go into the trouble of, of rotating out of cereals in a paddock for a couple of years, and then not do a test, you're acting blindly, I suppose. Yeah, that's right. If you've had some very good progress in reducing the inoculum levels and then you put a cereal back in before those levels have decreased, it can potentially undo a lot of good work mm. in getting that, those levels down. Another reason for using a predictor B test is that it not only detects a crown rot, but it also detects a wide range of other soil-borne pathogens that growers may not be aware that uh, are present there. So that's where it becomes a very important tool to understand what is present in our paddocks. Now I've heard that when it comes to that test, that predictive B test for crown rot, and I imagine other uh, stubble-borne diseases, the, the test sample that you deliver to the lab is a little bit different. Yeah, one of the key things with using predictor B when we're targeting crown rot is that we make sure we're including stubble in that sample. Where we found that the predictor B test was not working well for crown rot was when the person was taking the soil sample, they would remove stubble or brush the stubble out of the way and then to collect the soil sample. But given that crown rot is a stubble-borne disease, it's really important that that stubble that holds the inoculum is also in the sample. So there's recommendations when taking the test to include pieces of stubble in that test, so then it is able to be detected in the laboratory. Yeah, now again, a no-brainer on doing it properly. What other management options do farmers have when it comes to managing crown rot? So once a grower has identified that they have a paddock that it's at risk, one of the things they're going to decide is, well, are they going to continue with the idea of planting cereals? And in some cases, even though a paddock may be at risk of losses from crown rot, they're locked in with that paddock for a range of reasons that they're going to plant cereals there. So in that case, the options that they have is particularly important for a paddock that's at risk of crown rot is to avoid planting durums. The losses in durums can be double the losses in wheat and you know, there's cases where 50% and more of the yield will be lost to crown rot in a durum crop. So bread wheat is a better option than durum, but depending on the amount of inoculum there and the seasonal conditions, you can still get your losses of up to 20% in bread wheat. Losses in our environment here in barley are much less, and that's really because barley matures that bit earlier before the crop goes into water stress. So barley can be a, a good option to reduce the chances of yield loss. But keeping in mind, even though barley is an option that doesn't suffer as much yield loss, it will still result in high levels of inoculum or a following cereal crop. Oh, okay, so yeah, it's yeah. going to be... So it's not a, not a resistant it, it, crop. Yeah, and it won't reduce the levels. No, no, okay. it, it will still result in high levels of inoculum. Right. Inter-row sowing, has that worked? Yeah, so inter-row sowing does have benefit. The reason that inter-row sowing can work, so we're talking about sowing in the inter-row of the old cereal stubble, what that's doing is 
physically separating the new seedlings from where most of the stubble is confined in the old rows. Crown rot fungus doesn't grow very far, so by separating even by 10 centimetres, that will reduce the number of plants that get infected. It's by no means a control strategy, but it does reduce the impact. So um, they have so to it, touch, so there has to be contact, has it? Close, has to be close, so a couple of centimetres. By just moving those plants into the interrow, hmm. it does reduce the number that get infected. Yeah. I probably meant that uh, there has to be contact between the infected stubble and the new plant. No, no, it doesn't have to be direct contact. The fungus will grow from the old stubble and it will grow through the soil to then infect the seedling. Oh. But the distance it grows is only a few centimetres, mm. not the 15 centimetres that it's going to grow to the interrow. So Grant, what about time of sowing? Does that have an impact at all? Yeah, time of sowing is another strategy that growers can use and really it's about getting good crop establishment early in the season. So if farmers can get their crops in the ground at optimal time, the impact of crown rot will be reduced and those crops will mature a bit earlier. And again, it's about getting the crops to mature before they go into terminal water stress at the end of the season. What is the role of seasons in whether you're going to get crown rot or not? Yeah, seasonal conditions are really important. Same paddock with different seasonal outcomes, their yield loss could range from 30% in one year Another season, same level of inoculum, you could see no yield loss at all. The big role of season is around how the season finishes. So it's that late spring rainfall. If we get a wet finish to the season, we may not see any whiteheads or any loss from crown rot at all. In contrast, in seasons where we get a dry finish, that's when we see most of the yield loss from crown rot. Now, while we're talking about uh, crown rot, there's a, obviously a number of different projects that GRDC invests in. And another one is looking at the genetic side of things, and you've had some involvement in that. So tell me about your involvement and what that project's all about. So there's a project with the University of Sydney that's supported by GRDC that's aiming to improve the tolerance of wheat to crown rot. And it's a what we call a pre-breeding project that is bringing resistance and tolerance from a, a wide range of sources and then progressing that into adaptive backgrounds so that they can then move to use by wheat breeders to be then incorporated into resistant varieties for adoption by farmers. So our involvement over the last few years is we've been providing a field-based screening of the more advanced material in that program and in that work we've seen that there's material coming through there that is better than our current wheat varieties and so yeah, we're excited that in the future we'll be seeing some definite improvements coming through for our Well, that is our good growers. news. That's good news. Um, the challenge with crown rot is that it's not simple. It's a, it's a very complex range of genetics that are involved. So it is a very much a long-term approach that needs to be taken to see that improvement coming through. Watch this space, Grant Holloway there. Grant is a senior plant pathologist with Agriculture Victoria. My name is Chris Brown.